So we are entering into Jesus' teaching on prayer. There will be a, some overlap because um, the righteousness in religious life or spiritual practices, we cover verse 5 and 6 of Matthew 6, but we're going to actually go back to 5 and 6 and go into the Lord's Prayer commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught the disciples, including us, to pray, the pattern of prayer. And we're going to stay, stay in the one, uh, the first beginning of verse 9. But first about prayer. Prayer is open secret to at least three things. Number one is intimacy with God. And even in today's uh, beginning of the Lord's Prayer, it is important for us to, to realize to whom we are approaching in prayer, uh, praying. And the word Abba, Father, comes there. The intimacy with God is realized and lived out. It's easy to talk about that, right? Prayer provides intimacy. Have you seen those people? And I have few people in my mind. Especially in my household, I see my grandma praying. God is so real because her intimacy, even in the middle of her suffering and with oxygen mask wearing and praying with just such a close intimacy. The word she utters, Father, seems so real to me. And I have a few others, but we need to know that it is really possible learning to, to enjoy Someone actually rightly said, Christian life has a lot of different things. But there is one fun thing, joyful thing. And he asserts, it is prayer. If you continually pray and experience answers from God, there is no other such a thing that will give you supreme joy. Joy unspeakable. It is true. Because even as a young college student, I remember losing an umbrella and praying for that. And some people will say, oh, just, you know, it's coincidence. As soon as you pray, you, you realize where it was and you found it. But to those people who pray, it is real. And it happens over and over including Crossway Church from day one. We, we kind of adopted Hudson Taylor method instead of uh, all the things that I learned about church planting. We need equipments. We need uh, rental fees. We didn't do any fundraising. $100,000 initial fundraising recommendation for six months to a year, depending on how big a venue you want to use. Nothing. We just prayed in my living room. And that God provided places, free places, free rent, four years of free rent, and an incredible rate that you know we're meeting here today. And not to mention those financial provisions who would forget? The old timers remember God answering miracles with, it, with even starting with Cindy's baby. Jay and Susie's son, Justin's crisis. And then during the retreat, we find out Ho had a kidney stone that we're praying that that will pass. He came with all that, with the pain. 
prayer is also open secret to power of God. Ian Bounds, one of the famous writers on the topic of prayer, really impacted my life. He writes, church does not need a new method, a new strategy. Church needs men. He means not masculine men, but people of God. Men and women of prayer. Men and women who would not limit God and really believe in God's work and power. And we ought to experience that. And thirdly, blessings from God. Oh, how many blessings we miss because we don't pray. And this, the anticipation of really prayer becoming real is, uh, is my prayer, actually. Learning through this, not, not just this Sunday, but the coming two, three Sundays. Ian Bounds, one of, one, the, I just mentioned, he, one of his writings is, says, prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Corey Tembum writes this way, When a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When he stops studying the Bible, the devil laughs. But when he stops praying, the devil shouts, for joy. What would Jesus say? And how did he pray? And it begins with that. Jesus is not a teacher on talking about prayer. Jesus actually taught his disciples by praying. They saw him all the time. For example, Mark 1.35, and rising very early in the morning, before sunrise, it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The following verses said that Peter had to hunt him down because he hid it himself, and everybody was looking for it. John 6.15, you know this is verse... Is that no, uh, usually, typically, we don't remember reading this because it's, it's in the context of one of the most famous gospel stories, Jesus feeding 5,000. And right after, immediately after that, as a concluding remark, verse 15, perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Why? Because people are hungry. If we have him as a king, we will not go hungry. We're talking about real hunger, the people going nothing to eat a day or two or three. So perceiving that they were about to take him, come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The implication is clear. He's hiding again to talk with God, with the Father. And Luke 5.16 gives us a kind of lifestyle, what Jesus' disciples were witnessing. Verse 16 of Luke 5. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often withdrew. So because of that, Luke 11.1 1 says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples came to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John the Baptist taught his disciples. 
So they were mesmerized that Jesus' secret seems to be in that prayer. That he communed with the Father. Then he wanted to learn. So we get to actually listen to Jesus' teaching directly through the, the very word of God in Scripture as a gift from God. So let's go to verse 5 again. And uh, leading up to the Lord's Prayer. Verse 5. When, and, and when you pray, you must not be like hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street, at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And when your father who, who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrase, phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they, that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Remember I said the key verse in the entire Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, 7, is actually this verse 8. Do not be like them. Not, not only from the world, the pagan Gentiles, but also the, among the Jewish believers who are following after the word of Yahweh. And in our context, we could think about the people out there who are worldly people, secular people, but also people in the church, the culture that has been influenced so much by the worldly culture. It has become saltless. So there are do's and don'ts. Let's go with the don'ts first. Don't pray like them. First one is a hypocritical believer's prayer, which is ostentatious, to be seen by others, and is a selfish uh, prayer, and it, it is a misuse of the purpose of prayer. Purpose is about entering into God's presence and communion with Him, and another uh, unlikely verse that we heard, we usually hear that Revelation 3.20. A spiritual writer, a, an author on the book of prayer, which I would highly recommend by the name of O. Halesby from Holland. He starts with, prayer is opening the door to Jesus in daily thing, that Jesus would come in. Do you remember Revelation 3.20? I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. But that door is a church door, although among the seven churches. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Dining, obviously, means fellowship. Even nowadays, Jewish people do not invite outsiders, the people that they, they would not consider as a, someone who could fellowship together, they would not invite to dinner to their house. When they are, when they are inviting, that means you are my brother. Come, fellowship with me. You get to know my kids and my family. So Jesus is saying here, the original context once again, to the church. Then what, is, what, what does he mean by that? Prayer is opening the door of, the, door of our heart to Jesus. Coming into God's presence and Jesus coming into it, coming into us, that he will be 
ruling, reigning over every details of the lives. The key idea is this. You could be very religious, but very men-centered. Let me be more obvious. You could be very Christian. Activity, program, you are listening to Christian music, but deeply men-centered because you don't enter into God's centeredness. That the center, I don't mean the, uh, that you become completely understanding of God's point of view. No, the center means, means that the center is the most important concern by which we decide all other things or discern the value of all other things. So we need to be careful about man-centered approach to prayer, which can be focused on ourselves. Secondly, Jesus mentioned Gentiles, and I would call it not just pagans, but the religious pagans' prayer, which is mechanical, mindless, babbling, gibberish. Why? They, they think that they will be heard by many words. Because they have to do something spectacular to God to hear that. So here's a guideline for us. When you're going into a prayer room, the excitement and passion is good. But no gibberish. I'm not talking about speaking in tongue. We do believe in speaking tongue. But I'm talking about just repeating over and over something. And then during my previous ministries, as I'm training our leaders in discipling, the bad habits is when this person prays, oh Lord, or God, is like a comma. Oh Lord, we do that, oh Lord. And then I, I pulled him aside and said, what if I said, his name is John, but let's call him John. John. I was talking to you, John. You know, the other day, John, how would you feel like that? Think about what you're saying and be thoughtful. No eloquence is needed, but thoughtfulness is what anybody, any conversation requires. Okay, how about do's? Do pray like this. Let your prayer be genuine, sincere, not hypocritical, not ostentatious. To be seen by God only rather than to be seen by others. Even when praying in public, or praying with others, we pray to God. And pastors are notorious about that, right? Using prayer as a preaching time, kind of telling people what to do. So, God, you need so much of uh, our participation in this. No, God knows all that. Let's be honest about even just kind of alluding something. If you have a conflict, talk to the person directly. <laughs> Second uh, principle is let your prayer be thoughtful. Not, not necessarily Articulate, fluent. So when you're asked to pray, some of you still have a fear of public prayer, right? praying publicly. All you need to think about is, my Father hears me. Heavenly Father hears me. And I open my heart and be genuinely thoughtful. Not many words is that really necessary. Now, going into that, and Jesus says, verse 9, uh, pray then like this. A couple of things before we read the Lord's Prayer. Number one, I'm just keeping as a Lord's Prayer because it's commonly known. 
But it is more fitting to call it a disciples' prayer because it's a, Jesus wants his disciples to pray. That's number one. And number two is this is not the prayer that Jesus is saying, pray like this verbatim. Pray in this way. It's a pattern of prayer. So we need to understand the pattern. And when we pray privately or with others as a public prayer, we need to follow that principle. And then it will be important for us to learn that. Like I said, uh, we will focus on verse 9 only. But let's, for the context Let's read the whole thing. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Notice that some of you are more familiar with uh, old translations that has For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For yours is the kingdom. Right? Why is it missing? Because at recent uh, ESV, I think other translations do that too, the validity and the the, uh, measuring stick that they're going after is the truth and the most trustworthy documents will be the oldest one. The many oldest one consistent among them, and that will be the translation principle. And obviously, that verse is missing in many old, oldest manuscripts. And later on, it, it was added. And simply, I, just a quick remark on that is, it, nothing wrong with pray that. And I actually want to pray that because it, it is kind of concluding more of a starting with a God-centered approach and ending with a God-centered approach, same way. And it is theologically congruent, theologically sound. So in church history, most churches pray that part as well. But as I said, this is not necessarily the prayer that we need to repeat over and over. It will be going against that gibberish. Right? So focusing on verse 9 only. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your name. So first principle is that to whom we pray is far more important than what we pray and how we pray. Why is that? Because to whom we put our whom we trust in shows the validity of our faith. Let me say it the other way. The validity of our faith, whether our faith is true or not, the validity of our faith does not depend on our sincerity, our trustworthiness, but the object of our faith. For example, Let's say I am really sincere that this is my God. And I speak and I pray, I adore this water bottle. And I pray. And then, you know, this is kind of humorous in, in some sense. But throughout history, the people pray to trees, to ocean, to sky, to sun, to animals. Even nowadays, in some, some aspects of it, right? So let's just say that certain group of people are so sincere. Not like hypocrites that 
pray that, but then you really don't believe it, really don't follow. But faithfully, sincerely pray. But the object of my faith is not worthy of my trust. Anybody's trust. So to whom we pray is far more important. And the revolutionary remark that Jesus introduces to us, to his disciples, is our Father in heaven. In Old Testament, there are some few passages that include the word Father. But that's always the corporate relationship Israelites to the Father. The God, the Yahweh is the Father of Israel. But Jesus, in a such an intimate way, and the New Testament scholars would agree unanimously, the word that Jesus used actually is Abba. Because New Testament is written in Greek, Koine Greek. But Jesus' everyday language in Israel, by, back then, it was Aramaic as a form of a Hebrew language. So daily language was Aramaic. Aramaic word for father uh, was Abba. And I, as I studied this, I, I, I learned new things. And I, I want to, I can't wait until I share that. There are some things that I think I need to correct it uh, as we go, continue to go on. But why is it important? Because we are to pray for the, to the right person, not to air, not to self, not to people, but to the right person who deserves our trust and dependence, who is God. We are to pray to God, who is our Father, and who is in heaven. <coughs> there are two different aspects of very important principle of approaching God. Yes, we could pray, you know, blind, blind beggar, but he, he cried out to Jesus. Yes, we could pray to the Holy Spirit. So we do that all the time, right? So that's a good question. But what Jesus... Uh, the normal general way of praying that God, God's guidance is this. We pray to the Father through the Son, meaning what Christ has done. We approach to the throne of grace because the blood of Jesus shed once for all. In Old Testament, only high priest once a year can approach the throne of grace. And by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Have you... Experience that? In, in Saturday morning prayer, we're doing praying for everybody. We realize that now the church has grown. There's 43 family prayer requests, not counting the, um, our missionaries. So as we're praying, there are a lot of prayer requests written. Many of us, starting with me. I see the prompting of the Holy Spirit, what to pray for, even the things that it's not there, even the things that, you know, that I might not see. Holy Spirit guides us. So even in this series, we might have some question and answer time later. Thanks, Luis. And then another thing, important aspect, oh, let's talk about tension a little bit. In old high church, the thee, thou, and so God is so, uh, must be revered and it feels so distant. God is omnipotent king, universe is created by the creator, sovereign, almighty, omnipotent, omniscient God. Kind of going on in heaven, transcendent God. And the other side is our father. And then if it's Abba, an endearing term for the Father. Papa. That kind of term. I think 
our generation don't have much of a problem here. Our generation, especially the Western culture of mutuality, is that Jesus is my homie, God, man upstairs, or something like that. Right? No, both are very, very important. Let's go, what does it mean then? God who hears our prayer is sovereign and holy. And God is personal and loving. In heaven and our Father. We are to pray to God who is not distant, unknowable being, but noble, intimate Father. The Aramaic word Abba was translated to Greek, Pater. And then uh, I said that to you guys also, in the Jewish children, it's a baby talk. The first one they learn is Abba. 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 Which is daddy, papa. And I think uh, some years ago, the Oxford uh, linguist and theologian by the name of James Barr written another article starts with Abba is not daddy. So I, I, I want to balance that. I don't want to give you all the things of the two hours of reading on, on those. But what it means is essentially Abba, Abba communicates believers special favored relationship with loving God and going into that, yes, it was spoken by little children, but throughout history, the linguist found out that even the adult children, to call their father, to endure, enduring way, and they use the word Abba. So when you think about a grown man, I'm 52, and calling my dad, Daddy, it's kind of a little weird, right? So what could be equivalent term for our days? And I think it's close to dear father, dearest father, maybe dearest dad. So in other words, there is a tension in the, when those believers in first century were trying to translate into the right, the New Testament, they were concerned about in heaven and in, in our Father endearing term together. Why? In Greek, there is word for daddy, which is papa, papias. And they, instead of using that, they use pater. And then oftentimes, even New Testament, when Abba was mentioned, the, the New Testament writers will always put Abba, Father, together. So in one sense, I think we could continually use that. I, I, I love praying and calling Abba. I belong to you. And, uh, much of value in that. But we need to think about that balance. And you, do you remember Old Testament, through the book Exodus study, people couldn't even touch the mountain. People even co cannot come, come into the Holy of Holies without any, even the high priest, without any preparation. That holiness of God requires us to think about the gravity of presence of God. The weightiness of going approaching holy God. But because of Jesus Christ, there's no more veil. There's no more temple needed because we are the temple. And we can go to, go, go to our Father, Heavenly Father, anytime, any place, any posture we have. And Jesus is teaching that. This is a privilege. Matthew 7, verse 9 through 11. Or 
Which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? This is why we need to pray. This is why we need to open up our heart to Jesus, to God. One clarification. In our days, because of universalists and because of secular people who spiritualize their life as well, the common thing that we hear, even from the media, every human being is a children of God, so therefore, Everybody can call Father, God Father. In one sense, it is true. Because when we think about creation, yes, every human being is a creature of God, God the Creator. So, in that sense, only in that sense, it's a Father. But John 1 12, but as many as he received him, to, to those who believe in him, he gave them to write, the right to become children of God. It is a spiritual uh, privilege, special privilege to those who enter into God's grace in Jesus Christ. So there is no relationship without that salvation and grace. So we are thrilled to stand in the grace because of that. Here comes the really meaty part. What to pray for first? Hallowed be your name. Why is this important? Our prayer ought to be God-centered, not man-centered. So when you become man-centered, you ask for things for your own sake and even use God to get your end. And prosperity gospel has damaged the Western church and Eastern church as well so much. This means that our supreme concern in prayer ought to be on God's name, his character, his reputation, not on our names, our concerns and needs. So that's why our Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven, the first prayer request, first petition that Jesus teaches us to pray is, Hallowed be your name. But the word hollow is old English. No, no one uses it anymore in everyday language. So what does it mean? I looked it up. Um, it means to sanctify. Consecrate. Set apart. Make it holy. To be revered. But I think we could understand it more in our daily language this way. Most treasured, most revered, the highest honor. So for those of us who have a reluctance, even thinking about God wants to pray for him first rather than pray for us. No, actually, this is for our own good. You know why? Because God has everything we need. And when we are asking his glory and his rule to reveal to us, and we are participating in that, we are entering into God's life rather than God is mere compartmentalized part of our lives. When we enter into God's, we have everything. The old son, in the prodigal son, the lost son's parable, you didn't give me anything, but you, this son who wasted your, your inheritance and came back. And you're giving him best clothes. You're killing fattened calf to feed him the best meal. What about me? You didn't give me a, a goat. And Jesus, the, the father said, Son, everything I have is yours. 
So the more we are pushing God arm's length, because we are, whatever reason, afraid that he might take over some things that I treasure so much, we're actually losing everything. Okay, what does it mean? It is to seek God's character and reputation would be most revered and honored. It is to ask God to make his name be famed in glory personally and in our world globally. So God's name being honored and hallowed is not only about my personal life only, but in our city, in our church, in our nation. In every part and ethnic group that belongs to God, the whole earth. So, because of that, in so doing, our our duty and privileges as Christ followers, we are the essential means. I think all of us, almost all of us, know that. The principle that we learn typically. Pray acts. Adoration first. Confession. Thanksgiving. And supplication. So which is a good system. And this is, seems to be adoration. But it is important for us to look at it. It's a petition too. It's not God you are hallowed. God, make your name be hallowed among us, through us, in us. That we are actually surrendering ourselves into that. Why is that important, once again? Because our Father, who is loving, is also in heaven. He has everything. There is no limit. You know, the biblical language is cattle on the thousand hills. That's an old language, right? That we, we don't really think about cattle, right? But maybe that we could translate it in this way. God owns every money in every bank in the U.S. and the world. God has secrets for everything that we need. Is it a sweet hour of prayer or just merely dutiful hour of prayer? And in the, you know, the speedy uh, lack of attention stage that the uh, generation in which we live, it's not even an hour of prayer. It's maybe two minutes of prayer. Sweet two minutes of prayer. There are two things that I just want to suggest as a recommendation and suggestion for our application as Crossway family. Number one, we are to discover the joy of prayer in our everyday life as God's child. 1 John 3.1 says, this is a passionate passage actually. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The father who owns the universe, who created the universe, who is perfectly and consistently good, beyond our imagination, he is wiser. No one can give him a device. He is Father, and Jesus made this access available 24-7. You don't even have to have a telephone. You don't even have to have an internet connection. You don't even have to wait for God's door is open at 7 o'clock in the morning. In the middle of the night, in the early morning, during your work time, while you're driving, Heavenly Father, our dearest Father, delights to hear our prayer. 
How do we become radically different church, counterculturally different church? Do not be like them. Don't go through religious routines. And I'm kind of afraid of even emphasizing on you know, Saturday prayer meeting because it becomes another duty and legalistic thing. No, come to find out how good it is. And I'll say, for those of us who become regular, we become strengthened. We're praying for others. At the end of the prayer meeting, I feel refreshed. I feel connected with the Heavenly Father. So pray in faith as a beloved child, not as an orphan. Sorry about that. And pray with sincerity and thoughtfulness. And pray without ceasing as a way of life. I think one of the best lessons that I learned in prayer is journaling my prayer. So I realize I become more honest and more in touch with my feelings. So when you journal, I become so intimate. So as I said before, our house is on fire. I don't we don't have much of anything. I'll I'll get my kids first and you know my <laughs> wife, right? But after that, no TV, no no nothing is really necessary. Those journal my dialogue and conversation with God over the years. I want that. Number two. Oh. Corey Tembum's reminder for us is really good. If Heavenly Father is our Father, is your prayer stirring will or a spare tire? Well, I came with a, I, I'm not sure, I was a little shy to put it down. So I think modern way of applying this is this. Is prayer your 911 in crisis or talking to your Abba, Father, in everyday life? Did you get that? When was the last time you prayed? There was a crisis, obviously. When, we, when we're going into that, we realize that. But think about our relationship with loving Father. And He is not like earthly Father. And many of us have scars and broken images. And our brokenness sprung out of that relationship. Yes, but our Heavenly Father is not like our earthly Father. So trust him. Learn to lean on him. Get to know him. Remember, he's noble. Number two, we are to seek the honor and glory of God's name as our supreme concern of our prayer. Psalm 115, verse 1, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Let's choose God's glory rather than our own little glory. Knowing that, we could seek God's name to be preeminently adored. And acknowledging God's sovereign rule and heavenly fatherly love over us. Not as a duty, but really getting to know God's glory and name and seeking that is actually the best way of experiencing supreme joy. And let's think, thank and give glory to God's name as our most treasured joy and hallowed joy. And he is the giver of all good things for our own needs. Since today is the first Sunday going into the Lord's Prayer, uh, let's try something different.
Many of you know it by memory, but we're going to conclude today's sermon by reading the Lord's Prayer together. Would you stand where you are? If you can't see it, it's okay to just listen. But for those of us who could see the screen well, let's pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead, do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For yours the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you sit? Father, thank you for your son Jesus who provides his practical teaching, radical teaching. We're still shaken by the fact that the God-centered prayer is actually for our own good. Would you remind us, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our heart that we do not do this as a duty to get what we want. But when we find out who you really are, we will, all of us will want you as our treasure's joy. And in you, everything we need and desire is there. So our Father, who is sovereign, holy, all-powerful, all-knowing, yet who leans over to hear our prayers like our dearest Father, teach us to pray. May your name be praised, revered, most honored, in this church, in this city, in this nation, and in the world. And use us for your glory. Yes, Lord, even today, our supreme concern throughout the whole day is your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.